everybody. This is William Del Pilar, and I'm here with my good friend Eddie Aparicio. And this is Points. What's up, Guillermo? Eddie, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good, man. And for those of you who don't know out there, Guillermo is the way we say William or Bill in Spanish. Okay, so that's why I'm saying Guillermo. <laughs> to me, he's Guillermo. And my name is Eduardo. Roberto Aparicio, but I go by Eddie. Nice to meet you, everybody. Or Thick Brown Man. How's that? <laughs> That'll be your spot. Yeah, exactly. I'm not as, hey, I'm not as thick as I used to be, man. I, you know, when I when I last saw you, Guillermo, I was like 250 pounds. I'm like oh. now 220. Oh, I've lost a lot of weight, good. man. I, You've done the opposite. Yeah. The opposite of what we do as we age. Uh, <laughs> let me get some stuff out of the way. Everybody, this is sportsgrumblies.com, soon to become grumblingsmedia.com. We are in the final phases of testing our new site, so I think that could go live as early as late this week, Eddie, but for sure next week. But you can find this podcast, Points on the Board, at sportsgrumblies.com. We are also on, on Rumble. We are also on YouTube. You can find us via Grumblings Media. And for you Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and any other outlet, you can find us there as well. And for those that don't know, uh, Eddie Aparicio is my new host. He is the El Salvadoran champion representing here. And representing, man. Fantasy football. And the NBA basketball, he's my go-to expert on that. But first of all, we are going to get into a little personal issues here. I have no shame. And Eddie, I've known you for 20 years, and I noticed the last couple of weeks, and excuse my ignorance, but it's always good to educate the audience, too, is I understand. Yeah. It, it looks like you have a little bit of a, of a lazy eye there. Uh, oh, you yeah, you know, uh, sorry, yeah, you know, uh, for whatever reason, my, my lighting went out. So, um, so Guillermo, the last time I saw you, I, I don't remember the last time I saw you. It might have been 2011, 2012 right. in that time frame. So I saw you at, a, a, at one of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association conferences that was in San Francisco. And uh, that's my hometown, you know, born and raised, uh, proud San Francisco. And there's very little of us anymore, right? There, there are a lot of transplants, right, that come over from different areas to live in San Francisco. Eddie, yeah, there's a lot of transients there now too. <laughs> that too, transplants, transients, transgender, whatever you want to call it, anything trans, right? Uh, so, so anyway, uh, so the last time I, the last time I saw you, I caught. So let me tell you the story. So I was actually watching a movie with my family, uh, Frozen, when it first came out. Frozen in 2013 is when it came out, and I noticed when I was watching that movie that I felt like I started getting a headache on my left side of my, on my of my head. And then I noticed that I started tearing up a lot on my left eye and I excused myself to go to the bathroom to tell my wife, I got to go check something out. And I went to the, went in the bathroom and I saw that my, my face was drooping and I'm like, Oh my God, am I having a stroke? Right. right. And you know, I couldn't close my eye. I, you know, when I smiled, I, I was freaking out, man. So, Panic. so Panic. I called one of my, I, I absolutely, I called one of my friends right here. Who's a doctor. I called him up. And actually, I, call, I actually also called Stefania Bell at that time, too, believe it or not, right? I talked to her at that time. But one of my friends who actually was uh, treating Lyme disease at the time, he had told me, okay, do me a favor, go ahead and and, and go ahead and blink and try and raise your eyebrows on, on both eyes. I did all that. And then he said, okay, just pucker up and do a kiss. Looked up. And he says, okay, what do you see? And I described all this. 
And he said, okay, I'm 99.9% sure that you have Bell's palsy. So he said, just go to the ER to rule it out, just to make sure you don't have a stroke. So I went to the ER that night. I told my wife, I go, we got to go home. And I went to the ER and the, and the doctor did the same test that my doctor told me on the phone. And then he says, I'm 99.9% sure that you have Bell's palsy. So I got a blood test to rule that I didn't have a stroke, came back negative. And the thing is that Bell's palsy, when you have this, not I would say like most of the cases, nine out of 10 cases, it comes back, like it goes away, meaning like your functionality comes back. But I was one of these rare cases that it didn't come back. So my doctor who told me to go go to the ER, he had told me, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and get tested for Lyme disease. So I'm like, what is Lyme disease? So I researched it, found out, and he says, people who have Lyme disease, they typically have this thing when it doesn't come back. So I went to go get tested, took my blood test, sent it to a lab. There's only one lab, I think, in the United States. There might be more now, but back then there was only one. There might be more now. And came back that I was positive for Lyme disease. So I had Lyme disease, which triggered my, my, my Bell's palsy, right? But I just got treated for Lyme disease two years ago. So I'm completely over it now. Um, there was a doctor in San Francisco, the same friend of mine who has this, uh, the, the, the doctor in San Francisco. He has somebody who treats Lyme disease. And I've told this story to multiple folks that, you know, my friends, family, and lo and behold, two people actually had Lyme disease after I told them the story. They went to go get checked out, blood tests, and that, and sure enough, they got they have Lyme disease, and now they're going through treatment for it, right? So wow. I want to tell that story to people out there because, you know, I want to I want to help those that might have the same symptoms I had. So some of the symptoms that I had, just to let you know, because that's probably going to be your next question, right, William? Severe fatigue. We're talking fatigue where I couldn't function, where I had to, you know, go to sleep, right? You know, I was driving home and I had to pull over and take a nap because I was so exhausted, right? Eddie, Eddie, isn't yeah. The, yeah. the tiredness, isn't that a product of the Lyme disease though? I've read where Lyme disease just kind of really messes you up and tires you out. It does. It does. And the thing is, is that Lyme disease, has, it, it's different for everybody. Everybody has different symptoms. You know, I had extreme fatigue. I also had extreme anxiety, like to the pit of my stomach anxiety where I couldn't sleep at night. My heart's pounding. I feel like I'm having a heart attack. I, I just, wow. it just was, it's very intense. Then I also had a foggy brain and the foggy brain that I, I would go ahead and, and, and describe is I would be, you know, kind of like in a dream state. Like I feel like I'm there, but I'm not there. I feel like, 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 the, 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 there's just a cloud of, of reality around me. Like I wasn't there. It's just weird feeling a fog. Like I wasn't really me. It was just Thank weird you, feeling, right? And heart palpitation is another thing. Uh -huh. In the military, we call that the fog of war, where everything happens, but it becomes a haze to you. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Now, I'm assuming you contracted this through a tick bite. So yeah, I, I, it's likely that I did contract this through a tick bite. And the thing is, I'm an avid golfer, uh, Guillermo. So something that you probably don't know about me, but I do play golf quite a bit. It's one of my main outlets after, you know, I tore my Achilles tendon playing basketball. That was one of my main outlets is basketball. Um, and once I tore my Achilles, I couldn't, you know, do basketball anymore. So I got it, got it really into golf and golf is my outlet. My competitive spirit wants to do something competitive and, and beat somebody at something. Right. So I play golf. But the thing is, is that, you know, I'm not necessarily always down the middle of the fairway either. I'm always, I go spray left, spray right, right? And sometimes I'm over by the trees where ticks could be, you know, and, and I'm sure the thing is a tick fell on me, bit me and left, you know, but the thing, there's a misnomer that, that, that ticks actually burrow themselves in you. That's not necessarily the case. Some of them just bite and move on, right? They, they yeah. suck and move on, right? So, so likely that's how I got it is through, through, uh, through golf. I got some ex-girlfriends like that.
<laughs> blood sucking like <laughs> you know it's, it's scary you say that and i'm aware of lyme disease when it first came out because it started out in the northeast and that's where my uh right my my wife's family's from and uh her mother uh got bit you know back decades ago but it didn't affect her like that and the reason i asked is because one day i went home saw my nephew and i was like what the hell same thing happened and to add on to your story my uh brother-in-law my nephew's father got upset you know, he says, this is the, you, you're telling me you can't do anything? And the doc was like, well, we can do this, this, you need to do this, this. So he went to an acupuncture. And the acupuncture yep. says, depending how bad it is, we can cure this. He goes, that's the yep. magic we have. In and sure enough, he made it about 70% better. Now, uh, 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 my final question, we don't want to spend too much time on this, uh, 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 is uh, when I see my nephew sometimes, and like you, you look great today. You would not tell that you had it. But last week, uh, when I saw you, it was kind of obvious. I take it you have stages, good days, bad days with it? No, it's actually, you know, it is it is the way it is. I think it's just sometimes the camera angle probably maybe caps. You can see it more clearly. But I've had this thing for a long Like, Like, watch, I'll smile right now. See, it's like kind of like a Sylvester oh, yeah, Stallone yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the, one yeah, side yeah. Is up, the other one kind of is down. And then, like, like, when I raise my eyebrows, see that? Only one of them goes up. Yeah. Wow. See that? And my eyes opens up. The other one does not. And for, for months... I, I I couldn't close my eye, so I had to wear like an eye patch, you know. And I was about uh, to say, do you make a great pirate in about a month? The Salvadorian pirate, man, you know, yeah, shoot. Yeah. Hey, hey now, hey now, you say it in a jest, but Panama, where I'm from, was a yep. big, a big pirate cove, and I've been to places <laughs> where pirates have been. There's a famous pirate. Dear God, I should know this. But there's a famous, very famous, world famous, you've seen them in movies, they've talked about in books and stuff, that uh, died in Panama, one of the lagoons. But what would happen is Panama has a bunch of islands on the isthmus. So what would happen is the pirate ships would hide behind the islands. And when I say islands, I'm talking about an island that's a quarter of an acre, if that big. Right, right, right. So they would hide behind those islands and chase after the galleons. And on the flip side, the galleons would hide behind them too, to the, the try to get the pirates too. But Panama was a uh, uh, kind of like a lack of a better word, an inventory, like a hotbed, like a hotbed. Like hot plates where they had, they would count the gold, set it aside. You know, we distributed amongst the ships, and they would head on out. So, so you're not as far off with the El Salvadoran pirate there, because I'm sure <laughs> all along the coast. Uh, uh, in Central America, that's how it was. But yeah, it's kind of scary because I had dogs, Eddie. I've had dogs um, all my adult life. And every once in a while, every few years, I'll wake up. Man, what's that? What's that? And there's a oh, wow. Zombie, you know, yeah. bed, you know, because the dogs yeah. are in the bed with us. So it's scary. And uh, I feel for you. But uh, it sounds like you've overcome it, but but Guillermo, I'll tell you this one one thing that that uh, Lyme disease is a, a growing epidemic in in the United States. Um, it used to be only kind of an East Coast thing, but you know a lot of people are contracting it here out here, and so a lot of people don't even know they have it. It's a symptoms thing. Like, and the thing is, the medical industry for years didn't really recognize it as a as as an issue as 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 a disease. And now I think because of the outbreak that is happening, more and more people have it. I think the medical industry is starting to go, okay, now we got to recognize this thing. But the thing is, it's so hard to treat because everybody has different symptoms, right? right? So how do you treat something that has moving targets? It's dependent on your physiology. It depends on who you are, right? It, 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 not everybody has the same symptoms. So how do you treat something like that? And what makes it worse to me, Eddie, is uh, 
COVID has a 99.9% recovery rate, period. Right. 99.7 if you're a senior. And yet they're yep. acting as if it's the end of the world, whereas I would fear Lyme disease more than I would COVID. I just had COVID. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Lyme yep. disease because of what you just said. It, it affects people differently. It causes permanent damage. Uh, and people can die from it. People can die from it. There's people that have exactly. died from it. Yeah, that's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. We live in a society too that's very vain. So it's not only crushing physically and health wise, but also to your uh, 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 self confidence and ego. Because you know a lot of people uh, uh, get self. Uh, what's the term? They get self uh, self conscious. Self conscious about yep. it. So, and I, I feel bad. I feel bad. I mean, you're ugly enough, Eddie. We don't need. Oh no, man, come on, man. Yeah, you look at me, man. I, I'm not bad for 54, bro. Come on, man. No, come bro, on, man. You are, you are a strapping looking <laughs> Latino, brother. <laughs> hey, you too, hey, man. You're pretty but, dapper but, too, though, bro. But your wife is much better. <laughs> oh yeah, thankfully, man. Thankfully, hey, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, man. And that's what I did. I found a nut, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm well, a black heaven, guy, right? heaven help you, because you're gonna lose what little hair you have once your little girl goes off the couch. Oh, sorry. It's already gone. With a <laughs> it's, it's already gone, man. It's already gone. That's why I shaved off, so you can't know that I'm thinning. That I am there thinning. You big go. Time. There you go. I love my hair. Look at that thing. You got hair, man. <laughs> Let's get down to I'm, it. Let's get down to it. You look like Cruella, though, bro. You got a little gray streaks here and there, man. Half yeah, side is like silver, and half side is black. I like I it. Think, I, think, <laughs> I, need, I need a haircut in, uh, in full transparency. I, it was a late day, so I finished the workout, had to throw the gel on the hair to kind of camp it down. Gotcha, man. It I gotcha. Anyway, Good. let's get down to it. Yeah. Uh, NFL Power Rankings, Week 7. The Elite. Kansas City's number one by default. Nothing to talk about. They're winning the games as they're supposed to, but they do have chinks in the army armor. The Eagles remain at number three, but they lost to a team in the Jets who were fighting for their playoffs lives. The AFC East is arguably one of the most competitive divisions, and the Jets have a great defense that has uh, 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 gotten into the top echelon over the last few weeks they're still middling when you look at the whole season the last few weeks they've been playing well so the eagles lost to a very good good defense now the floor is yours give me the excuses because the san francisco 49ers should have stomped on the cleveland browns now the cleveland browns have an elite defense but that has been helter skelter it's been erratic uh, during some parts of the season but eddie what happened to them to me it was a trap game and I know they lost. Absolutely. Was it they lost Trent 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 Balky? No, no, that's no that's Trent, Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Trent, wait, they lost Trent Williams. They lost McCaffrey and they lost Debo Samuel. So, so they, but still, they should have won and they had a chance to miss the uh, to win the game. But I thought it was inept coaching when Kyle Shanahan got conservative and was yes. okay with the, with the, what was a forty seven yard kick when they could have tried for another five ten more yards. So the floor is yours. What happened to your 49ers team? So I think, you know, what you said earlier about the trap game, I think that's definitely something that's uh, pertinent uh, in this case. Uh, you know, they had a, they, they had, they were on, on national TV last week and they beat up on the, on the Cowboys. They kind of got full of themselves, I think a little bit. And I think the coach kind of recognized that and saw that it was kind of 
trying to tell the troops like, hey, look, you know, we're facing a very good defense. You know, this is, you know, it's good to have adversity. You know, we haven't gone through it, but this is going to be an adversity game. He was actually even telling the players that he wants bad weather conditions because he wants his team to overcome adversity because they haven't really faced it, right, for the most part. Um, so I think that they got a little full of themselves. You can see that when they, when they first started the game, there was a big shoving match between Debo Samuel, you know, and, and, and some of the guys, you know, on the, on the Cleveland Browns and then Trent Williams comes over and tries to break it up. So it's like, you know, a five and O team shouldn't be doing that. They don't have to show that they're the man. The, the record shows that they are the men, right? They're, they're, they're the team to beat. But they resorted to that dumb school, you know, kind of high school kind of stuff, right? And and I think they got a little full of themselves. And then, you know, as the game played out, you know, give give credit to the Cleveland Browns. They came up with a good game plan. And the one Achilles heel for the for the Niners has always been a mobile quarterback. And PJ Walker is a mobile quarterback and he made some plays. I gotta give it up to him. I mean, Deshaun Watson hasn't played in what three weeks now? And, and and this guy uh, PJ Walker has shown that he can he you know he was a, he was an XFL guy and he did very very well and and you know he was on the Carolina Panthers he's kind of on one of these journeyman kind of backup guys but he he showed that he can move a team and I think he's going to get a chance whether it be at Cleveland or somebody on somewhere else so you know you you have a lot of factors then you know the the, the Niners also lost Christian McCaffrey uh, it looks like it's an oblique issue that's not very serious. Uh, but it is an issue, and it, it, it prevented him from coming back to the to the game. Debo Samuel, the same thing. He had a, a shoulder issue. We don't know how serious that one is, but it could be a little bit more serious than we're hearing right now. But he's they're both day-to-day. Trent Williams came back. He's not out. He did come back that game. They taped him up. He was an ankle issue, um, and, 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 and he's still, you know, he's able to come back next week. But overall, I, I want to give credit to the Cleveland Browns and their coaching staff. They actually did a very, very good job in, in coming up with a game plan that uh, neutralized uh, the, the defense of the Niners. And also, I think, neutralized the weather conditions, also kind of neutralized Brock Purdy a little bit. He was he couldn't throw passes as, as well as he used to in the past weeks because, you know, the ball was wet. He was slipping. He was not accurate. And he's, he's, he's been considered one of the more accurate quarterbacks through the first five weeks, right, until this last week. So um, I, that's the reason I think they lost. But they, you know, Jake, uh, uh, Jake Moody, he missed that kick. He should have made it, but he's a rookie. You know, they should have been in that position to, to win or lose that game on that last kick. But as bad as the Niners played, they could have won that game. I agree. Here's my take in terms of uh, the quarterback. Uh, look, Kenny Pickett, Daniel Jones, Josh Joshua Dobbs, and Dak Prescott, they're mobile. They may not be like uh, Jalen Hurts type, but they can move around the pocket. They can avoid the hit, the tackle, and San Francisco handle them. Uh, then you have the missed field goal, and I'll, I'll give them on injuries, but I don't give Cleveland any credit. I give the, the – this is the incompetence of when you think you're bigger than your britches are. Uh, 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 uh. And in their defense, though, there are no undefeated teams. And it's yep. been 51 years since we had an undefeated team with the 1972 uh, Dolphins. So it is Dolphins. extremely difficult. But this was a game they should not have gotten lax on. Why? They were facing an elite defense. And if they can't get up the smash an elite defense, then I really worry. And my final take is San Francisco is going nowhere if McCaffrey is not on that field this season. That team runs through McCaffrey. They may have the accuracy in Brock Purdy. They may have Debo. They have Brandon. George Kittle. Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle. But without a rushing attack, you saw what a defense can do to that offense. And once McCaffrey went out, it wasn't even a struggle. They had no rushing attack. And that kind of uh, 
perplexed me that they kept trying to establish the run, and I get it. But if you got a quarterback as accurate as 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 Purdy, and the West Coast offense is one that's built to where you don't have to hand off the ball to the running back. Do a little screen here, a little dump off pass here, get a little creative. So I put this loss on the coaching staff, on Kyle Shanahan specifically, especially with the bungling at the end by going conservative. No field goal is a given. You try to get as close as you can Absolutely. every freaking play, and he chose not to. We live in an era where we have a lot of incompetence with these whiz kids, and Shanahan not so much. But the problem with Shanahan throughout his whole history, he can't win the big game. He got in the hole and crumbled. He got off yep. flaccid and limp. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So uh, yep. that said, they're still number two. Chiefs, uh, Niners, and Eagles. That's the elitist of the league. Let's move on. The Dolphins. They won a game they were supposed to win. They beat the Carolina Panthers. They got down 14 nothing, but they came back, took care of business. They moved up a slot to number four. The Detroit Lions, another team that uh, came in, took care of business. The downside with the Lions now, though, is they don't have a running back. David Montgomery got hurt. Uh, uh, who's the other guy? Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is also Jameer hurt. Jameer Gibbs did not even suit up. Without a butt, unlike Brock Purdy, Jared Goff put that team on his shoulders. Now, you were knocking Mr. Goff last week, but he was able to handle the loss of his running back, whereas your boy crumbled like his critics want to see him crumble. I want to see Purdy succeed. But that was a game where he could have really set the tone in how people view him. Not that that matters, but it could have been a statement game by him. Uh, yeah, that's only one loss, though, Guillermo. It's only one loss he's had. It's only one loss, and this is only that's the worst game he's had out of his, like, I don't know, he has, like, 12, 12 games. I think he's won in a row or something like that, and he has one bad game. And all the other games, he's done well, right? So one bad game, and everybody's uh, jumping on him like, oh, my God, this guy's not who who, he, who we thought he was. And he is. He is that guy. He just had one bad game. Every every Hall of Fame quarterback had a bad game. More than one game. So, oh, no, no, no. Right? You are absolutely <laughs> right. You are absolutely right. However, that's the game we're talking about this week. Now, the final I got comment you. on the line Final comment of the Lions is they took care of a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that is a pretender. The Bills, they they, they dropped from four to six. The they, another the Bills are too inconsistent. These games they played this year, they have elite talent, but they don't play at an elite level. They tend to play down to their opponents uh, or play up to their opponents. So they're a team that I don't see advancing to the Super Bowl because of their current style of play right now. Uh, yeah, they, they don't have a running game. They don't have a running game. That's the problem. They don't have a running game. They're, to they're too reliant on Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen to have good games. And 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 with they, they, they need somebody else to step up. Gabriel Davis has stepped up here and there. But, you know, and then you have Dalton Kincaid and, and Dawson Knox. I mean, those guys haven't really done that much either. So I think it's the running game. They're not very well balanced. They're not. And that's their problem. I, know, James, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Again, that's the offensive whiz kids. Even though their head coach is a defensive coordinator uh, on offense, that they got they got uh, Ken Dorsey, who's been who's moved up the ranks quickly. Him, Zach Taylor, the guy with the Rams. Even though he went to two Super Bowls, it was with hired guns. You know, they don't. They need to learn balance. In fact, even though the Chiefs are winning ugly right now and not putting as many points on the board. Part of it is because they have a more balanced offense and they're rushing more, which Correct. makes up more time. They're not doing these quick Correct. So, 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 no, I agree. Dallas Cowboys, uh, they won a game tonight against a Chargers team that always finds ways to lose. Again, 
they're like the Bills, elite talent, but they don't always show it. In their defense, uh, this was a defensive struggle, which should have been a big offensive game. So I, I agree. But they won, and that's what matters. So at, at, at four, five, six, and seven, the Dolphins, the Lions, the Bills, and the Cowboys. Now, better than average, but kinks to work out. The Jaguars, they won. They're starting to look better. They beat a Colts team that they were supposed to beat. It was their second win over the Colts. Not much to be said about them, but they are winning. They're four and two, and they are the I want to say the favorites, but not by much in the a in the week AFC South. The Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this game epitomizes the Ravens are still learning a new offense. You know, it's it's they're still making. They're playing down to their opponent, but part of it is because Lamar Jackson is learning a new offense. The whole team is jelly. They're still trying to get over the loss of J.K. Dobbins. I expect the Ravens to improve. Their natural talent puts them as the top 10 team. At number 10, I have the Browns because of their elite defense. They're, I don't see the Browns moving much past uh, uh, 7, 8, 9, 10 uh, because their offense is still too big of a question mark. But they did beat up on the 49ers, and they showed when they put their mind to it, they can compete. So I don't know what the problem is in Cleveland in terms of their week-to-week thought process, but I also think that Sean Watson is not helping team morale. You can't – I mean, it's deflating last week when he uh, – two weeks ago when he decides not to play. This week he doesn't play, but the defense rallied. So what's your take on the Browns? I, you know what? I think the Browns showed me something. I mean, you know, their coach, uh, Kevin Stefanski, is actually – he's a good coach, right? And – um, they're running back. I mean, losing a running back like Nick Chubb, I mean, that guy is arguably one of the top three running backs in the league. It might even be top two, right? And losing that guy in, 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 you know, in week one, I think it was, or week two, I mean, that's a big blow. And that's a, like a, almost a career ending type of injury that he sustained. It's the same knee that he injured when he was at Georgia. So, um, you know, I think they're still trying to find their ground, uh, their, their, their footing a little bit. They have Jerome Ford now, uh, and then Kareem Hunt. Oh, my God, that guy looked really good against the Niners. I mean, the, that, that one-two punch is uh, is actually a really good one-two punch from a running game. Bottom line is that any championship team needs a running game. They need a running game, and they need a defense. They already have the Super Bowl contending defense. They showed it. They shut down probably the top, you know, offense in the league in the Niners. Um, and now I think they found something, right? They found that they have, they can ball control with Kareem Hunt, you know, Jerome Ford. They have PJ, PJ Walker, who actually is a good quarterback. He's shown that he can play. And, you know, I think that, you know, whatever, whatever's going on with Deshaun Watson, we don't know if it's kind of like something that he's holding out for trying to show his value or he really is injured. He probably is injured. I don't want to like question the guy. I mean, you know, when you're in the NFL, you're always, almost always not a hundred percent healthy. Right. So, uh, I don't want to call them out on that, but they have shown that they have, you know, skilled players. Amari Cooper is a good wide receiver, right? Uh, you know, he, he, you know, they have some, 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 some key players. And, you know, of course, they have Miles Garrett on the defense to, iron, to, to be the anchor of that defense. So I think right. that team, it depends on what they do this week. I think this week will show if that team, if that win that they had against the Niners was a fluke or if it's like something that, that turns their, their season around. We'll find out. That's a good point. Uh, on your take on the Niners' offense, they've got the league's most consistent offense, but they aren't the most high-powered offense. But the most—I'd rather have a consistent offense than a high-powered offense. You know, right. look at the, it's a, the Dolphins are the highest-powered offense yeah, for sure, yeah, right? Yeah. But but the, the Niners are consistent. So yeah, pretenders are contenders. Eleven, twelve, and thirteen. We've got the Bengals, the Seahawks, and the Jets. 
Now, the Bengals and Seahawks played one another. The Bengals were hot to trot early on, then just kind of collapsed and held on for dear life. I think Geno Smith showed he's not an elite quarterback, and this team counts on a, a outstanding defense uh, with Geno making the big throws and not losing the games. But in this case, he kind of hurt the team. But the Bengals are another team with no rushing attack, and it's going to go as Burroughs goes, quarterback Joe Burroughs. And I just right. don't see Burroughs. I don't see the Bengals even going deep in the playoffs this year. We, we're seeing this play out with a lot of teams. Once you take the quarterback out, and as you said with the Bills, there's no rushing attack, and, and I agree with you. I think to get deep in the playoffs this year, you're going to need a strong rushing attack. Uh, strong defense and a quarterback that won't lose games. It's not going to be the other way around. I don't think the quarterback's going to be able to carry teams this year based off the first six weeks of the season. What's your take first on the Bengals, then the Seahawks? So, you know, the Bengals have all the skill positions that are needed to be very elite uh, on the offensive side in the NFL. And their defense has always been pretty good in the last few years. They've just been kind of little... Uh, Jekyll and Hyde this year. They they sometimes show up, sometimes they don't. I mean, they, I don't know what they're doing with Joe Mixon. I mean, Joe Mixon is seems to be a forgotten guy in that offense. I don't know what's no, going is. on there. Yeah. He is, Eddie, Eddie, they ranked 29th in the league in full season rankings for weeks one through six. They ranked yeah. 29th. There, there may be a couple slots better than that over the last few games. But, again, that's a coaching decision. That's Absolutely. That's a coaching decision. Yes. That's that's yes. Zach Taylor not wanting to commit to the run, and it's why Zach Taylor lost in the Super Bowl. Remember their vaunted running game that season? It disappeared because these coaches, it's like it's, it's, it's like they get a big penis up their butt and don't want to do what's necessary to win as they enjoy just sitting on that. You know? Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I, I'm not a big Zach Taylor fan, to be quite honest. No, I hear Yeah, Seahawks, I think, that, you know, you know they have a great coach. I think Geno Smith yeah. is a, a a good game managing type quarterback. I mean, he He's was drafted. He's a great game managing. I love Geno Smith because he was an arrogant penis and then got humbled. And instead of crying the blues, playing the victim and going, okay, I gives him a backup, he fought hard. And man, I love that underdog. Yeah. So I'm rooting for him. No, absolutely. And, you know, out of West Virginia, he was like a, you know, a top, I don't know what it was, top five draft pick. I don't exactly remember what he was. But I know he was like highly, highly touted. I don't remember, but I know he was he was he was a highly touted quarterback coming out of West Virginia, and you know. But the thing is, you know, Seattle has a good coach in Pete Carroll. The uh, you know, Geno Smith is a good game manager. They have Ken Kenneth Walker, who's showing that he's a really good running back. Um, and then they have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I mean, those guys right there. I mean, anybody would want that wide receiving core. I mean, that's a really good wide receiving core. Um, and and their defense is still kind of emerging. It's still you know hit and miss. But I think that they're going to be a problem if they if they shore up that defensive uh, uh, side uh, in the future. But I think that I you know, Geno Smith, yeah, Geno Smith could be you know a, funk, a good quarterback for the next two to three years. But I think they're probably going to draft a, a quarterback in the next uh, draft to you know just to ensure ensure what they have. Oh, could you imagine a, a, a Justin Herbert or a, a Josh Allen or, or Kirk Cousins on that Seahawks squad? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that yes. said, uh, just to clarify the record, Geno Smith, round two, pick 39, 2013. Okay, okay good. I'm glad you looked that up. You know, but uh, uh, the, the reason the, the Seahawks are a scary team, Eddie, is because they are an extremely physical team they're like the Niners physical and uh but I think they're even more physical than the Niners and that's what makes them so scary you are not going to leave that game without going home with 
exponentially more bruises than an average game, and that's what makes them dangerous. The Jets are they? They won. They they were in the fight for their life against the Philadelphia Eagles. They are now three and three. Zach Wilson has had three games of improvement. I don't want to say great improvement, but he has he he's not lost the game since the Chiefs uh, since that. Uh, 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 Mark Sanchez style fumble. They <laughs> actually know it wasn't. He just dropped the ball. But what's your take on the Jets? You know the Jets showed showed some grit. I mean that's the way that they win games is that they hang around. Their defense was supposed to be their anchor of their team. I think it showed it last week against the Eagles. I mean the Eagles are high powered offense, and the Jets pretty much kept them you know as an average off, uh, offense in that game, and they were just pumped up. I think that. That, you know, Zach Wilson has definitely showed improvement. You know, they have Brees Hall now as an established number one running back, and he's playing very, very well. Uh, Garrett Wilson is a really good wide receiver that they have there. Um, and so they have good skill position players. Uh, you know, they have the, uh, Tyler Conklin as their uh, tight end, who, you know, is, is not an intricate part of their offense, but he's a good, you know, he, he, he can play. He, he's got some offensive skills. So, I, you know, I think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, if he had stayed, you know, if he would, if he didn't have that Achilles injury, I mean, uh, he that team would have been a very dangerous team in the in the AFC. And now, because they don't have him, they have to see what they have in Zach Wilson. And he's starting to get some confidence. And I think he's going to be uh, getting more and more confidence, especially after this win this last week against the Eagles. So I think that they're going to be a team to watch. Um, and, you know, I think early on when we had this earlier podcast, we had kind of said that they were going to be on like a 9-8 and eight team. Hey, they could you be... Said- I said, okay, I said, I still was, think that, nine and seven. You said, <laughs> okay, well, it's nine and eight because it's 17 yeah, weeks, 17 right? So, right. so nine, nine and eight. So they could, they could be like a, a 10 and seven team, maybe, you know, uh, I'll give them another win potentially because this team, they sh- this should have been a loss on their, uh, in, in their record. And they actually won. A, and this could, this is a momentum changer. This is a season changer to beat a team like that. The same thing happened with Cleveland. That could be a season cha- season changer for them. The same thing is going to potentially happen with the Jets. We will see this week and what happens. Yeah, we are in week six, and we're leaving the confines of what we call the early part of the season. So now we're starting to see trends. We're starting to see things of that nature. And my only issue with the Jets is Nathaniel Hackett. I just, I'm not impressed by him. You know, I know. mentioned the tight end is an integral part of the offense. With Zach Wilson as your play caller, you're trying to build him up. The tight end in the West Coast offense is a standard to help the quarterback out. He didn't shift over to Zach Wilson's strengths until the week after when Zach, you know, he should have immediately started shifting some of those plays the moment Rodgers went down. I, I, I'm just not impressed with the Jets' offensive coordinator. To me, that's their biggest weakness. It's a guy who built his reputation because Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback. You know, I don't even think he would have sniffed the head coaching gig in Denver had it not been for Aaron Rodgers. So that's my concern. But outside of that, it, it could be a game changer. And here's the kicker. They have the one win against... Uh, the Bills already. So the Bills are, are playing from behind with them. And the Bills are already right. one game back of the Dolphins. So that's going to be an interesting division to watch. The downside for the Jets is they did lose against the Patriots, you know. That should have been a, 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 a game their defense won or, or won for them. So overall, uh, the Jets should be 4-2 and two right now, legitimately speaking. But I'll right. take the 3-3 three and three for them in terms of it's a win. All right. Now, the rest of the best are pretenders. Look. Let me run off the teams here, but I only want to talk about a couple of them. We've got the Chargers who lost tonight at number 14. The Rams. The Rams are the Rams. They're at number 15. They're going to beat the teams they're supposed to 
beat and they're going to compete against the better teams, but they have no depth. So I think injuries and attrition is going to take them out. The Buccaneers, they, they can beat mediocre teams. They can't beat competitive teams as we see them with a 3-2 and two record. In their defense, Baker Mayfield is learning a new offense, gelling with his players, and they're just not an elite team. They're a competitive team. The Texans, now the Texans are having at 17. They moved up from 26 to 17. They are 3-3. Three and three. And I think when it's said and done, they're going to end up, like you said, 9-7 type season. Is it 9-7 or 9-8? Yeah, yeah right, nine, around, eight, around eight yep. and nine, right around there because of their quarterback, C.J. Stroud. I tell you, Eddie, in life, I have met certain people where, dude, you should be struggling, whether male or female, whatever it is you're doing. But it doesn't phase them like it does the average person. And by God, that's C.J. Stroud. He's entered the NFL. He's just not phased by the defenses. Now, the game is quicker, so he's going to struggle, which is why they're 3-3. Three and three, But they're a team in a complete rebuild. But I love this kid. What are your takes? One. With the Chargers first, they lost tonight. They're two and three. Is Brandon Staley on the hot seat? Let's go with the Chargers first. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they have way too much talent to be this mediocre. So, yes, I would say that uh, he's definitely, you know, on the hot seat and, and, and it's getting hotter and hotter as, 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 the, as the hours go by. So, yes, the, he needs to show that, that he can win with this talent because he does have a lot of talent. You know, you know they did lose Mike Williams. Right. So Mike Williams is a big integral part of their offense. But, you know, they have, you know, they have a good defense, but for whatever reason, they're not really showing up. It's, it surprises me that they, that team should be way better than they are, but they're not. So that's my He's take. A defensive whiz kid. He's not a professional coach. And when I say professional coach, I'm talking a Dick Vermeil. That's old school. A Chuck No. Somebody who knows both sides of the offenses, who understands uh, time management, clock management, who understands what to do in each situation. This Brandon Staley guy, along with the Zach Taylors of the world, they're just they're still learning the game. And and my understanding from what I've read and heard is uh, Brandon Staley's an arrogant penis, too. And uh, <laughs> if you're arrogant like that, you're probably not listening to the right people at times, and it could be costing them. I will be surprised if he lasts a season if they continue on this road. Now, the yeah. Texans. What's your t Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead on the Chargers, but then the Texans. No, well, what I was going to say, get them. Are we going to go through the whole list, man? Because we're going to yeah, run out of time yeah, quick, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear your take on the Texans. We're going to skip the Steelers who had a bye week. The Commanders are 3-3. Three and three. They're heckle and jekyll, and uh, they can compete very well against elite teams in the division. But at the end of the day, that defense is going to kill them, even though that defense rose to the to, 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 to the play this week. And the Saints. The Saints is another one with a so-called vaunted defense yeah. uh, that, that, that's, that's kind of playing down to their schedule. But I just think it's time for Pete Carmichael and the Saints. He's the All-Saints offensive coordinator. Since Sean Payton left, that offense has been subpar, and I don't know if Pete Carmichael will last the season, but who do they replace him with? And because of that, I think the Saints are going to go nowhere. But I do want to get your take on what you think of D'Amico Ryans and what he's done with C.J. Stroud with the Texans before we move on to the next level. Hey, I, I would say that, you know, for, for what they were projected to be in the beginning of the year, I mean, to be 3-3 three and three right now um, with, you know, I would say limited talent, Man, C.J. Stroud has showed up in the last few weeks for sure. Um, you know, they have a, a running game that, that actually has been disappointing. Uh, 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 Damian Pierce hasn't been playing as well as he should. Um, and then Devin Singletary, fortunately, has emerged. Um, so uh, Nico Collins is uh, somebody who's uh, been doing good on the wide receiver side. And their defense is surprisingly decent. So, um, 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I have no problem uh, with them and what they're doing. I think they're doing a good thing, and I think it'll continue because D'Amico Rides was a really good coach for the Niners, and he fires up his team, and I think that the team is prepared when he when he's coaching. I think he prepares them well. Well, surprisingly, their offense has a, is ranked 10th overall this season, and their defense ranks number 13. So they are playing above expectations. The question for everybody is if it can continue. So the rest of the best are pretenders. We rounded out with the Chargers at 14, the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Texans at 17. The Steelers had a bye week. They stick. Uh, they moved down a slot just because some teams played better. Uh, 18, the Commanders at 19, the Saints at 20. The Saints are the big disappointment to me. I was uh, I was rooting for David Carr, but he's been disappointing so far. The get it together or else and overachiever section. Look, the Vikings are on the verge of a fire sale. They won, but that offense struggled without Justin Jefferson, and Kirk Cousins is still getting hit way too much. The Las Vegas Raiders, Eddie, they're just the Raiders. I don't know what to think of Josh McDaniels or that team. Brandon Jacobs, or I'm sorry, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. showed up. But here's why, and I may have said this before, but people listen up. Josh Jacobs held out. He had no training. Yes. Yep. You know, then came in out of shape. So he should now be starting to get into game shape, and I believe he is. He, uh, you know, he, even though he disappointed, he was 25 for 77, but chipped in with two receptions for 17. So look for him to turn it around. However. Uh, his first great game, I would trade him if I owned him in a fantasy league because I don't think he's going to be a game-changing player this year because of how much he was used last year, his holdout this year. And he's just I just don't see him getting together. Statistically, he's got about a 35% of having a great year based off the data Big John uses, and I agree with that data. Uh, and finally, the Colts came, they, they came crashing back down to earth. And the Titans, the Titans are the Titans, and the Falcons are the Falcons. They're, the Titans are not in rebuild mode. They're just not that good. I said that going in. Tannehill is a horrible quarterback who abused the team when he snagged that 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 contract that was sheer stupidity by the Titans. You know, so they deserve the lot they're in. Oh. And I'm a, I, I root for Malik Williams because he came from a small school. Everybody crapped on him. And I'm like, look, get the poor kid a shot. But he's got a year under his belt, sacked multiple times because he held on to the ball too long. And then uh, they teach you from Pee Wee League. Son, there's 30 seconds left on the clock. You get near the bounds, you get out of bounds. And there's Malik running back into bounds. So they're just a complete mess. The Atlanta Falcons, they're in rebuild mode, Eddie. And the Green Bay Packers had a bye week. Out of that lot, you have any comments on anybody? The Vikings, Raiders, Colts, Titans, Falcons, or Packers. Or not the Packers, but out of those teams, anybody impress you, depress you? Any comments on that? You know, Vikings are a team that stands out because they have the talent to compete. Um, and first on the offensive side, yes. Um, you know, the, the the Justin Jefferson injury with his hamstring, you know, hamstrings and wide receivers, they don't really blend very well. And I don't know why my, my light keeps going out. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, uh, uh, you know, I would I would say that that uh, uh, um, Kirk Cousins is somebody that I know he has a no trade clause in his uh, his, his contract. Uh, you know, I, I think he would benefit going to a different team right now just because that Justin Jefferson pretty much uh, that injury sealed their, 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 their fate, really, in my opinion. Um, you know, Alexander Madison, I don't think he's a every down back, and that's what they were counting on. 
uh, you know, they, when they let Dalvin Cook go. Uh, you know, that, that team is just, they, 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 they sputtered a lot in last year, but they managed to come back and, and win games when they shouldn't. And that is going to catch up to you if you're not prepared in the NFL. And I think that's kind of rearing its ugly head right now. Uh, and it's coming up this season. And especially with Justin Jefferson Hurt, their, 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 their chances are pretty much, they're done. Two points on the Vikings. Uh, I heard, I want to say uh, ex-Eagles running back LaShawn McCoy. He was on one of that show he's on, yep. I can't remember. He brought up a great point I hadn't considered. Because I'm like, because there's a no-trade clause. And why would the Jets want if they have Aaron Rodgers going to create a cluster bleep at the end of the season but the truth of the matter is he's a free agent at the end of the season so they could trade for him for minimal value for the vikings uh get him rent him for a year and that kind of answers your questions for the jets at quarterback there's gonna be a learning curve but that could really elevate him that said they can't do that move until zach wilson shows he can't improve right now zach wilson is improving doing well right but that said do you think Kirk Cousins gets traded before the deadline? Hmm. I think that... Um, I say yes. That's my gotcha. goal. Yes. That's my goal. Statistically, I would say no, but I would not be shocked. Maybe a little stunned if he got traded, but it would have to go to a team that kind of loses a quarterback. Let's say Deshaun Watson can't come back. You know, you know in that elite defense. Well, you know, I, I would say... I would see the Raiders. The Raiders is, is somebody that he can go to. I mean, they have an elite wide receiver in Devontae Adams. It doesn't they, matter. They have no trade. He has a no trade clause. And why would he sit there and want to go to another loser team? Just yeah. finish out. They have uh, great, great skill position players, and, and he thrives in that environment. But their defense is suspect. So we'll see. Yeah. You're right. All the right. no trade clause creates a problem. So, yes. Yeah. I can see him accepting it to a team. Like, let's say, again, the Browns. I can sit there and say, hey, I'll go there. You know, with me there, we can make a deep playoff run. I can see him going to the Seahawks if Geno goes down. The Jets, you know, uh, those type of teams. But yeah. outside of that, no losing teams. All right. The, the losers here. Arizona Cardinals at 27. Look, they came down to earth. They're going to stick around there. It's a team that plays hard for its rookie head coach, Jonathan Gannon. But what we saw, in, in essence, is what, what we get. One and five. They are in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. If they continue this losing streak, I see them leaving Kyler Murray on injured reserve and then maybe trying to trade him at the end of the season. The Giants surprised me. They came out and they played, and God bless them. God bless Tyler. Uh, 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 oh, my God, I'm trying to blame Tyler. Uh, uh, Tyrod Taylor. I'm Tyrod Taylor, yeah. Tyrod Taylor. He's in the league, I want to say, 13 years. He's not a starter. There's no controversy there. But God bless that team for coming out and playing some hard football because all the, the Giants fans are crapping on him. Denver Broncos. Let's be honest here. It's a rebuild from quarterback Russell Wilson to that defense. They're just terrible at 29. The Patriots should be better than they are. Bill O'Brien's kind of like flummoxing me a bit. I thought him and him and uh, uh, Mac Jones would have a better chemistry in terms of moving that offense. But maybe this this game here, they score 17 points. Maybe they're going to slowly get out of their funk. And finally, the Chicago, not finally, but next 31 is the Bears. The Bears may fall the 32 if Justin Fields is gone with that thumb injury for any significant amount of time. And it was kind of sad because Justin Fields has kind of exploded Right. Pocket QB slash running quarterback the last two weeks and kind of regress. And finally, yep. the Carolina Panthers, they actually had a positive game. They put up 14 points. The offense moved the ball, but they're facing the Dolphins. Out of those teams, uh, let me run them through you. The Cardinals, 27. The Giants, Broncos, 
Patriots at 30, Bears 29, 31, and the Panthers at 32. Anything stick out from those teams before we wrap it up here with the NFL Power Rankings? No, I think you covered it really well, man. We're good. <laughs> okay, one question out of those teams. The Cardinals, Giants, Broncos, Patriots, Bears, and Panthers. Who do you feel bad for the most? Meaning when you watch a play, you're like, God, I wish y'all were better, but y'all suck. You know, what team is in your heart like, damn, you wish they could do a little better? The, the Giants should be better than they are, for sure. The Giants should be better than they are. I mean, they were a playoff team last year. I think Saquon Barkley being out definitely hurt that team quite a bit. Um and I don't know what's going on. I mean, Daniel Jones, he's hurt now too, right? So, you know, they, 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 should, they should be better than they are. So that, 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 that would be the team that I would call out. I, I agree, but I would put that blame on Debo or Debo. That's how you say yeah, it. Dave. Big John Dave, is correct yeah. me. Debo and uh, the, the, the general manager for not – I mean, that team was in salary cap hell, so maybe they did the best they could. And if that's the case, they're still – they're recovering from that salary cap hell, then Dayball should get a pass this year too. Because you can't sit there and, and take over a team that's in salary cap hell for the next couple of years and you, you don't have any depth, much less quality starters. So, And I think that's where the Giants are right now. My biggest – the team that I like to see winning more would probably be uh, – the Broncos, Patriots, and Cardinals. Uh, no reason outside. I love the root for the underdog, and the Cardinals are just in a bad situation. And everybody hates the Patriots and Broncos, so I kind of like, you know, tend to root, tend to root for the underdogs because of that. And there you have it, my friends. The NFL power rankings. I'm actually going to talk to Big John and see if we can get a list on the side of the podcast uh, yeah. this week showing the rankings. But that said, let's move on to the fantasy. Eddie, my friends, is. Plays in three leagues. He, he comes from the fantasy industry for the last 20 years with his fantasy football draft boards. He knows fantasy football. Eddie, give us some of your top waiver wire picks you recommend to the audience and that you yourself are going after. <laughs> so I'll tell you, I'm not going to go through the full comprehensive list because I know we're running short on time. So well, you know, I'll tell you what, Eddie. Give us the top picks, one or two from from the skill positions that, or, or maybe a stream or something like that. So kind of cover it all, but you don't have to go in depth. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, you know, the, as we mentioned last week, uh, the, the running back position is the, the, the most oft injured position in the NFL. And, you know, I would say that the guys that stand out from this list, you know, the, the one number one to me is Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt uh, should be rostered. Uh, he still has a lot to show on the field, and he showed it very well against a daunted 49er defense who's really good against the run so he actually showed up and did pretty well uh Chuba Hubbard is someone that we mentioned last week he's uh somebody that's on the Carolina Panthers yeah the Carolina Panthers haven't won a game yet but you know they're they they, they, they still move the ball right so he's one that I would uh, uh point out uh you know the, the Lions lost to Montgomery and we don't know how how significant his rib his rib injury is. They have Jameer Gibbs, who's also hurt. So Craig Reynolds is somebody to think about to stash on your team. And then uh, the last guy that I would probably point out is uh, Latavius Murray on the Bills. Uh, he actually uh, came in um, to uh, fill in uh, on the short you know, the short yardage back, goal line back, wide you know the receiving sets. Uh, you know, Damian Harris has sustained that pretty scary neck injury that I'm sure a lot of you saw. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I would say that he's somebody that you should target. Uh, James Cook is somebody who is struggling a little bit to be the, the key guy. So he needs some help. So that's why I'm saying that Latavius Murray is somebody to, to, to consider, uh, on the QB side, you already mentioned Malik Willis. Uh, you know, we saw that Ryan Tannehill is, is, is hurt. Uh, yet either him or Will Levis that you can probably pick up uh, as a quarterback 
Um, we also mentioned John o. Smith as a tight end. He's somebody that's uh, definitely very integrated in the Falcons' offense. Yeah, it's Kyle Pitts is uh, you know he it's 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 his team on the tight end side. But John o. Smith is definitely been involved in the same amount of snaps as as uh, uh, as Kyle Pitts. So I would say uh, go ahead and, and, and target him. A guy that another one that you probably has already rostered, but Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel uh, on the on the Commanders has showed up very well in the last couple of weeks. So I would say target him as a wide receiver. Now, let me say this uh, regarding uh, your Smith pick. Now, Eddie threw out a lot of names that aren't big names. Their bodies, right. the roster, you know, for right. draft or whatever, and also to block your opponents. But I like the Smith pick normally, but Kyle Pitts is starting to come through. Absolutely. Now. Six targets, was 443 with one TD. So don't be shocked if you start seeing Smith disappear as the season progresses and uh, Pitts and uh, Desmond Ritter develop that chemistry. And that's going to be important for Ritter the, the, as, as he's fighting for his job right now uh, because the fan base wants Caleb Williams. Take it and get Caleb. That's all you hear from a lot of these low-end teams. There you have it, my friends. Eddie and his fantasy waiver wire pick, and he'll bring those to you every week. All right, let's get down to it with our final segment and Eddie's favorite, <laughs> the NBA. Eddie, what have you seen in the preseason so far, and which which teams stand out? So I'll tell you one thing. The one thing that really stands out is all the hype about Victor Wembanyama. That kid can play. Jesus, that guy, that guy can play. He well, is question. Question. Yes. So we, we know in the NFL preseason, starters don't play. Uh, the, the backups are playing against second and third stringers, and it gets a little deceiving. And, and we saw it with the Steelers, with Pickett and uh, uh, Pickens, and, and, and we saw it with the rookie uh, uh, quarterback backup with the Browns, and that's why you saw P.J. Walker this week because the rookie tanked two weeks ago. Is the NBA preseason similar, or are their starters going out? No, I mean, uh, the starters are playing, but they're limited, like, to 15. They kind of ramp them up. Like, usually the first game, they play about 10 to 15 minutes. Second game's kind of similar. Sometimes the coaches will go ahead and give them a rest, you know, in the second game. Um, but for the most part, you're seeing starters, and they're ramping up before the – you know, because the season starts on the 24th, right? Um, that's coming up really, really quick. I mean, that's, what, in nine days so uh, or eight days now. And, uh, you know, they're ramp these these guys need to get, you know, the rotation set and they need to get these players kind of comfortable with each other. So you're seeing these starters play for sure. So to answer your question. But the one thing that stands out to me is all the hype about Victor Wembanyama. It's 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 understood why he has that hype. That kid can play. He is a very, very good player. And I would say he's one of these uh, generational players. If he can go ahead and put a few more pounds on him. Um, you know, to sustain some of the contact he's going to get from some bigger guys. But I think the way Greg Popovich is playing him, he's he's more of a small forward that they're playing him, right? Uh, and, and and he's more of a perimeter player. And I think he's doing – I mean, he's long. Uh, he's a defensive issue. You know, for, uh, he can he steals balls, blocks shots. You know, I think he's going to – he's a really good player. So that's one thing that stands out. You were going to ask me a question. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, uh, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. The Wake Forest uh, stud uh, uh, for the Spurs that retired now. Uh, the one following David. Oh, oh, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. Now, I know he did that with Tim Duncan. There'd be times Tim Duncan be taking that three shot woo, and making them, you know. So Tim Duncan had those same abilities. But my question to you, though, is is just out of curiosity, is how has Wemben Yama been playing in the paint? Because that's where, I mean, he's seven-footer. That's where he's got to get physical. How has would you grade his performance in the paint right now? Because I think you're right. The, him playing the traditional center role is just part 
of what they hope to get out of him because I do believe they're going to play him at like a forward at times. But in the paint, what have you seen so far? He's not going to be. They're not. They're not posting him up. That, that's not his. That's not his strength. They're 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 utilizing his his skill set uh, on the perimeter. That's where his strength is because he can dribble the ball uh, pretty well. Not not necessarily like a point guard, but like you know, good enough to you know for a guy his size. And he he can dr- uh, dribble and drive you know to the basket. Uh, he can get close to the paint, and then you know he's a decent passer. Um, he showed some like unbelievable layup skills. I was like very impressed with what he could do, and he can shoot. I mean, the guy can shoot. So they're using him, him. They're using him like a Kevin Durant, honestly, like oh, as somebody wow. who can pull up, like you know, mid level, right? He can pull. No one can block a shot. So you know, he he can pull up and, and shoot wherever he wants to. He can dribble wherever he wants to, for the most part. I mean, a smaller guy like a a, a defensive point guard uh, like a Chris Paul will, will probably eat him up, right? Because you know his his dribbling is so high, right? Someone's gonna take it, but. You know, he, he shows really good skills. So I would say that, that that he stands out. The other thing that stands out to me is the Celtics. The Celtics. Well, well, hold on, hold on. One more question. Uh, Victor Wimbayama, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned uh, uh, the pull-up shot. And for the audience out there, my assumption that the pull-up shot is they're dribbling there and the guy just stops dribbling, boom, and just puts up the shot right then and there. And at seven foot, if he can. Seven four. Seven, He's seven, seven four. four if he can perfect that pull-up shot, how do you stop that, Eddie? You can't. There's nobody who can – you can't defend it. And and if he can perfect, like, the, the, the fadeaway, turnaround fadeaway shot, um, which, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, perfected. Dirk Nowitzki, you know, perfected. Guys like that. I mean, it's unde- you can't defend it. And Dirk Nowitzki is seven foot, and nobody could block it. And this guy's seven four, and he can do the same yeah. thing. So I would say, you know, Greg Popovich is a smart coach. He knows how to utilize the best skill set. And he's not going to use him down low to try and get him to post up like a Tim Duncan or David Robinson. That's not his strength. He is an outside perimeter player who plays like a center on the defensive end. Right. Okay, now what were you saying about the Celtics? My apologies. No, what I was going to say is that the the other ones that stand out to me, uh, the Celtics, you know, they're, 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 they're big four. You know, Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, um, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, <laughs> I, I lost his name. Uh, 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 shoot. Uh, Tatum Brown Porzingis. That was the guy I was going to think about. And, and, uh, and, uh, uh, geez, I don't know why I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> uh, Drew Holiday. That's the guy. Drew Holiday. Those four guys together. Wow. They are, they are electric and they've only played together in one game so far. Uh, they, they took, they, they brought Drew Holiday off the bench. Um, but the other three, the, the big three that they have, they played, you know, for the most part, uh, in the last game together, bringing Drew Holiday off the bench because Derek White was the starter. But that team, wow, they, 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 that team is, is stacked. The only problem is that their bench is a little thin. They probably run about seven to eight deep, and they're not as deep as somebody like the Lakers. The Lakers are a very deep team. Uh, they're a team that, that's another team that stood out to me too, is that all the pieces that they have, they are just a team that's, that, that, that I think is going to compete for a championship just because they are so deep. Um, the Warriors are another team in the Suns. The Warriors, I think, are still good because they have four Hall of Famers on their team, right? They also have some depth on their team as well. They, they, they you know, so, uh, This guy, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, I think has emerged. He showed a lot this preseason. He has taken a step in the right direction. We will see if he becomes a rotational piece. Uh, Brandon Pajemski, who is the guy that they drafted this year out of Santa Clara, that kid can play. I mean, he is a triple-double 
uh, waiting to happen almost every night because he does everything very very well. He can shoot. He can he can he, he can pass. He can rebound for his size. He's like very similar to to uh, um, um, Di Vincenzo, the t- same type of player like him on the def- uh, you know that can rebound very well because Di Vincenzo for his size can rebound very well. And Brandon Pajemski is the same way. Then you have Chris Paul who's been integrated in the starting lineup. Because, you know, Draymond Green is, is hurt, and th- there's question that he may not be ready for the first game of the season. But, you know, the, 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 the Warriors need a facilitator, right? They have Draymond Green, who's been their facilitator, but Chris Paul's another facilitator. So that makes them very, very deadly. If You know, uh, he, Chris Paul's more, more than likely going to man their second team, more than likely. On some nights, he's going to probably become a starter, depending on the matchups, right? But that team is still dangerous. They're going to be a problem. The Suns are another team that's going to be a problem. Uh, Devin Booker, uh, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, you know, those got Grayson Allen. Then they have Yusuf Nurkic, who I think is a better fit for that team than DeAndre Ayton was because he can do everything very, very well. He can shoot, he can pass, he can rebound, he can play defense. So I that that team is also a team to, to watch out for. So those are the teams that really stand out to me. And I already mentioned the aforementioned Lakers. The Lakers, I think, are the deepest team in the league, uh, in my opinion, because they run about 9 to 10 or 11 people deep, and all these guys can play, you know, the, the, whereas the Celtics maybe have run seven to eight people deep. Lakers run 10 to 11 deep. So I think they're, they're, they're a better overall team, you know, for, you know, in the playoffs, you need depth. And I don't think this, we'll see if the Celtics do any other moves in the, in the season to shore up their, their, their lineups. But um, those are the four teams that I'm pointing out. So the Lakers, the Warriors, uh, the Suns, and uh, uh, who else did I say? <laughs> Lakers, Suns, Warriors, and Celtics. And, and, and the Bucks. Oh, the Bucks are good, too. I forgot about them. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still preseason. It's not quite uh, 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 yet, in, you know, uh, in season. And we'll see some teams uh, shake out. And, look, the NBA season's long. It's, it's like the NFL. It's also a league of attrition. You yep. stay healthy. You compete at the end. Injuries, you better have a, a deep bench. And, and for people out there not too familiar that bench only goes 12 deep if i remember correctly so it's yep. not like the like like teams are a lot of a lot of depth now eddie let's close yeah. it out with the yeah. espn's top 100 list yeah i was about to bring that up about the top 10 so you know it, some thoughts on that so you know I'll, I'll tell you so let me ask you this as a as somebody maybe who doesn't follow basketball as closely as me but let me ask you who are some of the players that you think should be on that top 10 that based on your maybe not as you know knowledgeable as me who follows it every day, but some guys that you, you know, you follow sports, you know, some players out there who are some of the guys that you think should be on there? Is this the all time list or for no, for right now, currently in the league, like name like two or three players that you think should be on that list. LeBron, Curry, yep. you know. Uh, yep, there you go. They're, they're on that list. They're in the top, but, but where are they, I'll tell you where they stand, but those are two guys that stand out, right? The, the Greek stud. On, yep, uh, the Greek freak. Gino. Yeah. Correct. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give you their oh, top. The guy, Tate, the, maybe Tatum. And Tatum, he's on there too. Yeah, See? Okay. See? You got it. You got it. But it's how they're ranked, right? So let me tell you. Okay. Um, number 10, they have Anthony Davis. Okay? No problem with that. Number 9. Okay, what teams he played for? Make sure you let the Oh, still Anthony Davis is with – yeah, yeah, sorry. Anthony Davis is with the Lakers. Okay. Um, so they won a championship with, with him a couple years ago. Um, and then, uh, so he's number 10. Then we have LeBron James, who's also from the Lakers. He's number nine. The guy is like a phenomenal athlete. I mean, the guy's in his 20th season. And he's like still performing like, you know, a guy that should be, you know, you know 10 years younger than he is. And he's still performing at that high level. So he's number nine. 
Number eight is the one that I think I have the issue with. So they have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Shea Gilgis Alexander plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City Thunder are an up-and-coming young team. They have Chet Holmgren, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Jalen Williams. You know, they have good young talent on that team. So I, I understand why he's kind of ranked high, but not this high, right? I mean, he's a, he's he's a two-way player. He can he's a good offensive player, very good defensive player. But that's where I have the problem, and I'll tell you who should be there instead of him after I give you the full list. So uh, the next one is number seven is Kevin Durant for the Phoenix Suns. Understandable, probably the most efficient scorer we've ever seen in the history of the of the NBA. And, uh, you know, as a two-time champion, uh, even though he's been called a cupcake by the Oklahoma City Thunder fan base, guy's still a stud, right? He's a really good player um, and very likely going to be competing for a championship you know, with the Suns team because they're, they're, they're pretty stacked. Uh, so number six is Jason Tatum, one of the guys that you pointed out already. So you already you, you mentioned uh, Durant and uh, not, you mentioned uh, uh, LeBron. You also mentioned uh, Jason Tatum. So he's number six for the Celtics. Number five, Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry is number five. That's one of the guys you pointed out, right? I thought he should be ranked higher, honestly. But hey, yeah, I'm biased. Too. I'm biased. You know, I'm a, I'm a Bay Area guy. Uh, so number number four is Luka Doncic. Okay, really? I would argue. Yeah, I would argue Curry be ahead of Luka Doncic, but definitely Luka Doncic is a top ten talent in the NBA, without a doubt. Uh, the Mavericks. The Mavericks. Luka Doncic, right? Yes, Luka okay. Doncic for the Mavericks. Okay. Yes. So he's uh, he's number four, number three, Joel Embiid for the Philadelphia 76ers. Understandably, he won the he won the MVP last year, right? So yeah, for sure, he's definitely a top three uh, uh, player in the league. Um, you mentioned you didn't mention this guy, but you already mentioned the number one guy. You mentioned Jokic. He's number two, and he's a he's a yeah uh, yep yep Nikola Jokic for the Denver Nuggets is number two, and yeah, there's arguments to be had that he should be number one. But in my opinion, the number one guy is one of the guys you brought up yourself is the Greek freak, right? Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is a beast on the offensive and defensive side. And I understand why he's number one, because he plays both sides at an elite level. Whereas Nikola Jokic is an elite level of, of, of player, but more on the offensive side, offensive side, whereas on the defensive side, I think he's a liability. Uh, he, he, you know, I, I think teams can take advantage of him on the defensive end because he's not very mobile, right? So aren't they, aren't they the defending champs, though? They are the defending champs, right? Right. So, so, so I mentioned that the one guy that I did not like where he was at was Shea Gilgis Alexander. The one guy, in my opinion, that should have been there should have been either Devin Booker or Jimmy Butler. One of those two, I think, should be there instead of Shea Gilgis Alexander. And Jimmy, but uh, uh, Devin Booker's number eleven. Jimmy Butler was number twelve. So. There's a lot of conversations on these lists. This is their list. This is why they do it. So people talk about it, right? And we're talking about it, but I'm just telling you why, right? But this this whole list kind of spurred me to talk about maybe the top 10 of all time, the top 10 players of all time. And I'm going to give you my top 10 players of all time, all right? So it's going to be controversial, but this is my list, right? Okay. Number 10, Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon for the Houston Rockets. He is my favorite player of all time. More than anybody on that team, I, I try to emulate his game more than anybody else because he is the. He, there's only been three quadruple doubles in the NBA in the history. The quadru quadruple doubles has to do with getting four statistical categories and getting double digits for each of those statistical categories. Could be rebounds, points, assists, blocks, steals, all that. Right? There's only been three in the history of the NBA. 
Akeem Olajuwon has two of them. The other one is David Robinson. Okay, so th that's why I think he's number ten. Number now, nine. Uh, Hakeem is a seven footer. Was David yes. Robinson seven footer? Uh, yes, Robinson? Yeah. Robinson might have even been a little higher, taller than seven okay. foot. But yeah, Hakeem Lajman, I think, was really, really 6'10, 6'11. He wasn't really Those seven. Are two foot. seven footers who actually played at an elite level because there's been a lot of seven footers, but not many of them at the elite level. So, correct. Uh, I just want to note that out to the audience thinking about Victor. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. Good call. So, number nine, I have Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is, like I said earlier, the most efficient scorer I think we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. I'm sure he's going to get supplanted at some point in the future. But that guy, he, he, he shoots over everybody. He's tall. I think Victor Wembanyama could be a, a Kevin Durant 2.0, honestly, in my opinion. And probably better on the defensive end than Kevin Durant. Even though Kevin Durant is a good defensive player, he learned that through the, the through the Warriors. And he's now rounded out his game to be at this level. So, so Kevin Durant's number nine. Number eight, I have Stephen Curry. He's number eight on my all-time list. Uh, number seven, Oscar Robertson. He's oh, uh, going yeah. back some. Father. I'm going back some, man. Right? Yeah, but but that guy was a triple double machine, and he's a big guard, right? So he, he Lakers, he, right? He played for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yes, yeah, so other teams as well. But that's where I remember him from. Um, number six, Larry Bird. Number six wow, is Larry Bird. Yeah, Larry Bird is number six. There's a lot of people in Boston going to hate me for saying that, but he's number six, right? I mean, he's a great player. When he was playing, I thought he was a little overrated. But after seeing his career play out and watching him again, you know, after the fact, that guy was a really good player, man. So, I, I you know, my bad for like, not, not, not misjudging him when I was watching him at the time when I was, you know, a younger kid. So, number five, I have Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is the number five player of all time, uh, in my opinion. I would never have, I would never have Kobe ahead of Larry. Oh hell yeah! Kobe Bryant was a beast. The guy was a, the probably one of the best offensive players we have seen of all time. I always thought he was overrated. He was on the he had no way, no way. He should have had more MVPs. He should have had way more MVPs than he had. You know, and rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. You know, he's 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 the the Black Mamba. You know. Uh, 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 Mamba mentality, you know, he brought that to the to the NBA, and people re revere him. So, I, I Kobe Bryant's number five, number four, Magic Johnson of the Los Angeles Lakers for sure. I mean, he he's a he he's a, a generational player, changed the game. You know, being a, a six ten point guard, uh, you know, just had you know eyes behind his head on the side of his head he could just dish any pass that he wanted in in in, in games, and he was just a beast on the on the point guard. Number three. LeBron James. LeBron James I have as number three. Now, I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying LeBron James is number three because a lot of people put him at number one or at number two. But, you know, the guy is awesome. I mean, what's what's really impressive about him is that when he came out, you know, out of high school, he had a lot of pressure. He was the number one pick. He was highly revered as an, uh, whatever, 18-year-old or 17-year-old when he first came out in the NBA. And he just, he just took on the pressure and performed. And, 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 and the thing is he wasn't really regarded as, you know, a, 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 a scoring type of guy. He was more of a pass for us. He was kind of compared more to magic Johnson, you know, than anybody else, but you know, he's played for 20 years and, and hardly has gotten any injuries. So I think that's the reason why he's sustained his greatness for this long. So number two, this is where I'm going to get a lot of flack and I've gotten a lot of flack for this because you know, my friends know I'm a big NBA fan, and I put this guy at number two. But when I watched this guy play, this guy was a walking bucket. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Los Angeles Lakers. He was an unbelievable force on the offensive end. And believe it or not, that guy also did great rebounding, great assists. 
steals, blocks. He also has five. Yeah, he also has uh, NBA champ, five NBA championships. You know, so you know uh, he's. Now he's, that said, though, Eddie. Yes. His championship run really started heavily with once Magic got there. Magic. Uh, uh, Correct. And, you know, Correct with Magic. I, 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 I agree with you on him and what made him so distinct is the skyhook. I don't think I've ever seen yes. any other player do No that. other player. I mean, there's other people. There's other players that have tried to do like, it, but they didn't yeah. do it like him. I mean, he could do it either hand, and, and it was unstoppable. Once he got it to a certain point, it was an automatic bucket. So, to me, he has the most uh, renowned shot in the NBA history. So, that's the reason why I put him at number two. And number one, everybody knows this, it's, it's, it's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is number one. He was all defensive player, you know, all offensive player, won six championships, you know, played baseball too. Uh, yeah. So, and, and played with one, you know, he played with the Washington Wizards too, but he, yeah, he, he won his championship. Yeah. His championships were with, with the Chicago Bulls. And that's all the championships that Chicago has is because of him. So that, that, that list that, that, that ESPN came up with their top 100, I, it made me, it prompted me to do this, do this top 10 list of all time for myself. So um, I know I'm going to get flack. For those of you who are listening to this podcast, go ahead and put some comments up there and tell me that I'm, I'm way off. I don't care. This is my list. I want to hear your list. So give me your top 10 of all time. All right. That's what I want to hear. And we can talk about it next week. Well, I will say this on your list. Uh, I get the feeling you looked at individual talent. When I do a list like that, I look at not only the individual talent, but how that team, how that individual transcended for his team. So Michael Jordan, the consummate team player. Now, he was selfish. He wanted to give me the damn ball at the end, but then again, right. it's Michael Jordan. That's who right. you want to get the ball to. Uh, but the consummate player, Magic Johnson. Without Magic Johnson, Kareem doesn't sniff five rings. So I, I kind of view what they did. Larry Bird, he was the heart and soul of the Celtics. They had a great team around him, great team leader. So I look at the leadership. That's why I wouldn't put LeBron as high as you did because LeBron is an individual player and a mercenary. And I don't take Connie the mercenaries like that. That's why I'm, I'm not as big a basketball fan. Curry, uh, consummate team player. So I kind of look at things a little bit differently. But I like that list. Uh, I, I would sit there and probably size him up differently. But I, you can't argue with not one person you have on that list outside of oscar robertson i've seen all those players play in their prime that's why i, I can get into a passionate discussion because i'm like no i've seen the play too you know <laughs> and, uh, uh, and again the skyhook from kareem you're right once he got a certain spot he wouldn't it's over it's a point yeah it's two points you know? and, <laughs> and, and and magic and larry's battles and toss isaiah thomas in in, in that realm of the, those those top three players back in the day uh uh you know and there's other players that people would argue should belong in the top 10 and you can't argue lebron and his longevity and and how well he's played he's a mercenary for hire you know it, it's right. I, I i look at it so to me i he can't he can't sniff the jocks of a lot of those players because it is a team game and the rings freak volumes and when you're a mercenary and you go like to the miami heat or you jump to this team or you go to this team trying to win championships and that's a knock on durant you know if i remember correctly you know yeah so I, I look at Magic. I look at Larry. Uh, 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 I look at Michael. I look at even Kareem. I mean, Kareem was with the Bucks, I believe, before going to the Lakers. Correct. Uh, if I remember correctly, but he was pretty That's much correct. starting to the Lakers. Those are the ones who, to me, are the true all elitist NBA type players because they did it with one team. They, uh, I mean, they were the consummate professional. I think the NBA uh, and and and. I think most of the leagues uh, lack the all-consummate player today because of free agency. They, they they follow the money. They become mercenaries. Back in the day, you had to build that team. Jordan built the Bulls with that 
fat GM. I can't remember, but he hated him. Uh, uh, Jordan hated that GM. But they built a team together. You know, uh, Red Auerbach with the Celtics. You know, Jerry West with the Lakers. So if you look at those great teams and those great players, there's also a great GM because they had great players literally at every position. The Lakers, Worthy, Cooper, you know, Rambis, yeah. you know, yeah. the Celtics, Mikhail, Parrish, Bird, uh, Ainge, even Ainge. Who to me was the least player out of them had his role. Kerr with the with, with the Bulls, you know. So uh, uh, I kind of look at the list differently because it's a team game. But no argument from me, Eddie, uh, on that list. And uh, maybe we can get you to write that out. Have it posted on the website. You know? <laughs> and there you have it, my friends. Eddie's top ten. And uh, we thank you for listening. There we have another week. With our rankings, we learned a little bit about uh, Lyme disease and, and Bell Palsy. Uh, obviously, Eddie's fantasy picks every week and his NBA takes. You can find the podcast again at sportsgrumblings.com, soon to be grumblingsmedia.com. <clears throat> you can find this podcast on YouTube under Grumblings Media, at Rumble, Grumblings Media. If you're traditional, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, uh, and all this you can find at our page at sportsgrumblings.com. Eddie, it's always a pleasure. And Absolutely. to the audience, we shall talk again next week. All right, good night, everybody. Good night. Have a good one. See you.